Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. We are uh, week two of what we have entitled A Harvest or The Harvest Life. And I want to encourage you not to miss next week. Next Sunday is going to be our final or our closing of this uh, series, which I consider to be a turning point for each and every one of us. In addition to the fact that we're going to be highlighting something special next Sunday, I can't tell you. Uh, so you're going to have to come. Uh, but it's going to be a great Sunday. Next Sunday is going to be a great Sunday. And so uh, don't miss out next Sunday because if you heard last week, if you haven't heard last week's sermon, you could, you could download it on, on our website, our podcast. I'm not sure how, but you could download it. Go to nbplaceofhope.com, and you can download it in our, at our podcast. Um, but if you're here, I want to encourage you not to miss Sunday. Don't miss Sunday for nothing in the world. I believe God's going to bless us, and God's going to grow us, and God's going to stretch us. Uh, uh, but for those of you who were here and those who were not here last week, I just want to recap on five reasons we gave uh, pertaining to why giving is important now let me let me just mention this uh, when God made us he made us with the capacity to give when God made us within our DNA we have the capacity to multiply which is why the very first thing when God made Adam and Adam became aware of himself the first thing God gave Adam was the command to be fruitful the command to be fruitful. God didn't speak in tongues to Adam and God didn't uh, uh, bring birds and halos and doves. No, the first thing God said was be fruitful and multiply. That's the first thing. When, when, I don't know if you remember when your baby was born, right? The first thing you do, that's the first thing we do when a baby's born. But God didn't do that. When God created mankind, he told them, be fruitful, multiply, because he knew the potential that he had, that man had, because he himself bestowed that potential in him. And so as a result of his existence, there's a demand from God toward Adam to be fruitful, to multiply. And the purpose of the thing created manifests in the purpose of the thing created. And so that's what we talked about last Sunday. Um, but the five reasons we talked about why giving is important was number one, because giving makes me more like God. When I give, I become like God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Because there's a, there's a connection between God and the spirit of giving. I cannot disconnect gift from God. God is a giver. And so we learned that last Sunday that he makes me to be more like God when I give. The second reason why giving is important is because giving draws me closer to God. The more I give, the more I get close in proximity to God. Reason number three we said giving strengthens my faith. 
And how many of you guys know that sometimes it's a little hard to trust God when it comes to our finances. But when we activate our faith and say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this. But God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to make a way. It's in that moment, in that fraction of seconds that your faith begins to elevate and grow. And you start seeing God work in your behalf. So it strengthens your faith. And reason number four, recapping on last week, giving is an investment for eternity. Every time you give, you sow into the future. And I mentioned that when a person died, you will never see in a person's hurt, someone that died in the funeral car, a U-Haul car behind it. You can't take to the cemetery your plasmas, your TVs, your cars, your sneakers, your, your, your drapes, your, your, your toasters. You, you, you can't take none of that. The only thing you take into eternity is or are those things that you invested towards the kingdom to the glory of God. And reason number five is giving reveals my spiritual maturity. I don't know if you noticed, but whenever a baby is a baby, he wants everything. My bottle, my toy, my candy, mine, mine, mine. Maturity says, here, take, give. So when we give, we're literally revealing our level of spiritual maturity. So that's what we talked about last Sunday. Uh, today we're going to talk about a parable that Jesus himself gave. Now, now, now in the Bible you're going to see things and you're going to see people that write or spoke on behalf of Jesus. Like the Apostle Paul, he wrote on behalf of Jesus. The Pentateuch, our Moses wrote the, you know, the Pentateuch on behalf of God. But whenever you open your Bible and you see the red letters in that Bible, that means that Jesus himself spoke. Jesus himself spoke. So this parable we're going to be reading today, Jesus himself spoke to his people. Now, but before I get to Matthew 25, we got to read the context. We got to know why is Jesus saying what he's going to say to his people because that's important. So watch the context of Matthew 25. You'd have to go to Matthew 24. And in Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus two questions. Two questions. And those questions that, Jesus, that they asked Jesus is the reason why Jesus now in Matthew 25 is going to explain his answer by means of a parable. Now what's a parable? A parable is a story made to explain a spiritual revelation. It's an illustration to explain a message and an application. So what was going on in Matthew 24? Well, two questions they asked. Question number one, they asked, Lord, give us a sign of the end of days. They wanted to know when was the end coming. And when you read Matthew 24, Jesus talks about, and he gives them the answer. He talks about rumors of war, pestilence, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. He says, whenever you see these signs, know... That the Son of Man is, at, is coming and is returning. Then the second question they asked him was, and when are you returning? Tell us, when will you come back for us? And we all know the story. Jesus replied, you know, nobody knows, only God, not even the Son of Man knows the day or the hour when he's coming. And he gives us those two answers. And based on those two questions, he gives them two parables in Matthews chapter 25. So why is Jesus saying the parables in Matthew 25? Because of the questions they ask. Parable number one. 
Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. We see the parable of the ten virgins. Ten virgins. He said the kingdom of God is like ten virgins. Five were foolish and five were wise, right? And the wise would have oil in their, in, 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 in their lamps. And they were prepared for the bridegroom, but the other five foolish were slumbering and didn't prepare. And all of a sudden, when the bridegroom came, he said, arise, the bridegroom is coming. And the five foolish were not prepared, and we all know the story. And he only took the five that were ready, and the five that were not ready, he left them behind. And then, right after that parable, he, explain, he talks about this parable, and then he explain, explains both parables. So 1 through 14, verses 1 through 14, the 10 virgins. Verses 14, or 14 through 30, second parable, and then he's going to explain the parables. So today I want to read the second parable, which is found in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. And it reads, again, why he's saying again? Because this is the second part of parable number one. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold. Some of the versions will say five talents. To another, two bags, and to another, one bag. Key phrase here. Each, according, can, we put the, can we put the scriptures up, please? Each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled account with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I would put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with the few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Notice the phrase. And notice the order of coming. The one that had the least was the last one to show up. Do you see it? The one that had five now got ten bags or talents. He comes first. The one that has two now has four. The one that only had one 
brings it and comes late. Got some nerves, this guy. Look what he says. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. That, that, when I read that scripture, you know what I saw? I saw the spirit of pride. Because sometimes people have a capa- the propensity of camouflaging their pride by an excuse. Instead of saying, I'm sorry, I hit it. Look what he says. He blames the master. He says, I knew that you were a hard man. How you going to bring it up on me? I gave you a talent, and now you're saying, I make it happen because you're wrong, because you're rough, because you're hard. He says, I knew that you're a hard man, investing where you have not sown, and gathering you and have scattered. So I was afraid and went out and hit your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. And then look at your reply. He says, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not seed, where, where I have not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. And then he says, I'm not sure to which, the one of the five or the one of the two. He says, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever, whoever has will be given more and they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Oh God, I, let me finish and throw that, look what it calls them, throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. When we hear that phrase, weeping and gnashing of teeth, we think about hell, burning in hell. This is not hell. This is God cast out a prideful, arrogant, un faithful servant who was not responsible with the gifts God gave him and the end result is gnashing of teeth. I think that if, 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 if I had just read that scripture and make an altar call, I'm ready to go home. I, I think enough is said. But I'm going to explain a little what Jesus is saying because Jesus is talking about this. You know that a study was made where they gathered several people Old people, and by old, I just mean not young, (laughs) right? And young people, and they did a survey in order to see how people express their experience based on short-term regrets and long-term regrets. And so they got a couple of people and this, this was the question that they asked what do you regret you know I me mean? on things pertaining to short term in other words things that happened a week ago 
two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Based on your short-term memory, are there any regrets you have? And when they look back on short-term memory, here's what they started to regret. They started to regret actions. They started to regret actions. Short-term memory. They started to regret things that they did. For example, one said, I regret taking that extra slice of pizza I wasn't supposed to eat. I regret eating that extra piece of pie I was supposed to eat. And let me tell you, Christmas is coming up, so it's going to be a lot of regretting by the time we start New Year's Eve and resolutions. I regret doing what I did. Short-term memory made cause people to say what they regret they did. What they regret when it comes to their actions, short-term memory. But then they asked older folks, and they said, what do you regret long-term memory? And when people look back at the long-term, they regret not what they did. They regretted what they didn't do. And one said, when I was 30, I had the opportunity to pursue a career, but I let the opportunity pass by. I regret 30 years ago not starting that career. Another one said, I Wish I had taken the opportunity to build in a relationship with my children, but I was so stubborn, and now I regret not doing what I should have done. Another one said, I regret going to college. I regret, going to, I regret not going to school. I regret not preparing myself. I regret... And so consequently, those of long-term memory, they regretted the things they didn't do. And those with short-term memory, they regretted the things that they did. The question is, what do you regret? What are you going to regret 30 years from now? Because there are people that have been here in this walk called Christianity. Five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. 30 years. And the question is, do you regret not doing something you should have done? And for those of us that are here short term, what do you regret doing that you know you should not have done? And I think that for whether you're long term or short term, there's got to come an analysis today where we got to say, I need to flip my life so that I don't spend my next 30 years regretting what I didn't do and I don't spend the next 30 years Falling in the same trap of the things I'm doing that's going to take me backward in my walk with God. So let's see some principles of giving from the parable of the talents. I'm going to share five principles I see in this parable. Number one, Jesus is speaking. So don't get mad at me, get mad at Jesus. Principle number one, it all belongs to the master. Touch your neighbor, tell them everything is God's. Everything is God's. That's the first principle to living life successful. That's the good, that's, that's, that's the first principle to living the harvest life. You live the harvest life when you live this mentality all the time in your heart. Everything I have belongs to the master. 
everything. Call it home, call it cars, call it children, call it spouse, call it wifey, call it career, call it whatever. Everything you have belongs, no, 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 pastor, that's not true. It belongs to me. I studied. I spent sleepless hours reading books. Yeah, but if it had not been for God that gave you a brain, you would never remembered. And it had not been for God that gave you eyes, you would never been able to read. If it had not been God giving you the strength to have breath to breathe, you would not be able to catch your breath. So if you read, it's because he gave you eyes. If you know, it's because he gave you a brain. If you walk to school, because he gave you good legs. So everything you have belongs to the master. When you live life like that, there's no room for pride. When you live life like that, there's no thing, this is mine, that's yours. When you live life like that, you say, the Lord, the earth is the Lord, and the fossil is his throne, and everything belongs to Jesus, and I'm just a manager of the thing God has entrusted me while I'm alive in this planet to expand his kingdom. It all belongs to the master. But verse 14 says, again, it will be like, this is a parable. God is saying, the way I work is like a parable. It's like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. So church, our whole sense of perspective is off base when it comes to our possessions and our wealth. Many people don't get this. Many people have a problem understanding what we're talking about, which is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25. We may think that we are the owner and that what we give or not give is our choice. Instead, it is something that we give because it belongs to us. And any sense of this kind of ownership, church, is an illusion. Is an illusion. When you start operating, this is mine instead of this is God's, and God is just entrusting me to do that, you're living a lie. We are not the owner of what we have. God is. Everything was created by God, and at the end of it all, everything will return back to God. Pastor, that's my house. Okay, when you die, take it with you. Pastor, that's my call. Okay, when you pass, make sure they open your, your plot real big and put your little Corolla in there. See what's going to happen. It belongs to God. Everything was created by God, and everything will eventually return to God. Jesus knew that he only had days. Listen, when Jesus speaks his parable, Jesus only has days before he's going to die, go back to heaven, and 40 days later, he's going to heaven. So this parable means a lot to Jesus because when you read the story, the Bible says, and a man and a man went away on a journey. The man that's going away on a journey, Jesus is referring to himself. He is the protagonist of the story. And he knew he had a little bit and limited amount of time on the planet. And so he's sharing this parable, letting them know, hey, I am the man on the journey. And then he tells them, and you guys are the servants in the parable. I want you to know that God entrusts us his property. That God has entrusted us the things we have. I want you to leave this place understanding that you are not an owner. You are a caretaker. You're a steward. 
He's entrusted you. You're a manager of the things God has given you. Because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, everything belongs to the master. We have been given the opportunity to manage his property here on earth for a short period of time. The problem is we think that 70 years is a long time. 70 years is really short in comparison to eternity. We think, oh, 80 years, I got 40 more years to live, man, I can't know. But the thing is, 80 years in comparison to eternity is about five seconds of living. And we plan our lives around the earthly realm, and we don't understand that when he comes back for us, it's not on the earthly realm. He's going to come back on the eternal, and he's going to say, what did you do with what I've given you? Will we manage it in a way that demonstrates God's love? Will we manage what we have in a way that demonstrates God's compassion? Or are we going to demonstrate in a way that manifests my desires, my pride, my ego, my selfishness? Are we going to manifest it in a way that exhibits God's grace and his selflessness? Philippians chapter 2 says, he thought it not to be equal to God. He lowered himself. Jesus gave everything up. Are we going to operate like that? So giving principle number one is it all belongs to the master. Giving principle number two. We receive equal to our abilities, not to one another. And I'm glad that in this parable, Jesus talks about that. That he says, I'm going to give you based on your abilities, not to you to compete with one another. I don't know why God don't give me more. Because you can't handle more. I want more. I want more. I want more. You sound like Jack, Jack, Jack Nicholson. Tell me the truth. You can't handle the truth. Some of us are unhappy where we are. Because when we look at our neighbor, we want to get what they have. And God is saying, you can't handle what they have because you're not even faithful in what I've given you. And by the way, you, still, you, you think that what I gave you is yours because of your own merits. So until you don't get that right, you will never grow and I cannot give you more until you understand it ain't mine. I'm just a conduit. I'm just a pipeline to the grace of God. Look what he says. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents of money, to another he gave two talents, and to another he gave a talent, each according to his ability. Nowhere do we find anything about fairness or equality in this parable. Let me tell you something about God. God, doesn't, God does not operate out of fairness because grace is not fair. That's why you have people that get saved today, and six months later, they're on the altar ministering. And you've been in church 20 years, where God going to use me? Kumbaya, my Lord, man up, change, turn around, and watch God use you. 
No, because the, the book says you have to be in class 17 years. You have to sit in this bench for five years. Then, no, no, no. No, no. When, see, because God looks at the heart. And God looks at the disposition of the heart. And when God sees a person that understands, my gift is God. My ability is God. My talent is God. My time is God. My service is God. And I'm going to put that for the kingdom. God says, because you understood the secret, now I'm going to give you double. Because you understood the secret, now I'm going to open the door. But if you're still thinking it's your job, and it's your ministry, and it's your grace, and it's your anointing and it's your money you're gonna stay right here and I will never open a door because I will only bless those who understand the reason why I blessed them the fact is that different people receive different talents one got five why did he get five I don't know that's how God works one got two and the other one got one each of them got a talent according to their capacity to handle. I bendito, but like I got one talent. Oh. It's not fair, one talent. Let me explain what a talent was in the times of the Bible. A talent was equal to 6,000 denarii. Let me explain what a denarii is. A denarii is equal to a day's wage. So think, how, think, about, think about how much you get a day. That's one denarii. And the master gave, the guy he gave one, he gave him 6,000 denaries, which equal to a year's worth of income. So don't I bendito the guy, he had enough. He had more than enough. So each talent would be worth 20 years of labor. The issue was so important that Jesus wants to explain this. And he says that each received according to his ability. God gave the guy who had one talent enough for a year because he knew all he could give was one year's worth of service. So we shouldn't worry. If anyone has received more than me or more than you, instead we should be focused on what I'm doing with what God has given me for this year. And some of us, we spend all of our lives, oh my God, I want to be like that. I want that. I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. And you are not being faithful in what God has entrusted you to do for you. So here's the other principle that God does not give you based on equality. He gives you based on your capacity to handle. Principle number three. What am I doing with what I've been given? What are you doing? There are people here that got so many gifts in this church. You have the gift of service. You have the gift, the gift of smiling. You know that some people have a problem smiling? God bless you. How you doing? I'm all right. I tickle you. You don't laugh. I, I, not, nothing. But there's some people that just, they just wake up with a smile. That's a gift we need in the church. There are people that got talents here to serve, talents here to, to, to work, talents here to, to set up and tear down. There are people that have so many talents. And, 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 and I know we're talking about finances, but I'm also talking about the gifts and the talents that God has given you. And I want to I let you know that he's going to hold you accountable to every gift he's given you, to every talent he's given you. You got a gift of singing. Why are you not singing? You got a gift of service. Why are you not singing? No, because I, Pastor, I'm just too tired. Sunday, I, I just want to sleep a little extra. But God gave you a gift. 
and you know you got the capacity to do better. You got the capacity to serve, but you'd rather take your gift and dig it in the ground and say, God, you know is that you're a hard master. God, is that I got to be in church at 7 in the morning. God, is that it's just too much for me. No, no, I'm here to tell you, if God gave you a gift, don't bury that gift. Let it work for the kingdom of God. And when you start serving God in your gift, God's going to make a way for you. What are you doing with what you've been given? Verse 16, 17 says, the man who had received five talents. Look what he did. Look what he did. The man who had received five bags of gold. He went at once. He didn't wait six months till he got it, till it made sense. He went immediately. He went at once and put his money to work and gave and gained five more. So also the one who had two talents gained two more. You know what I see in this verse? I see a sense of urgency. And I ask you, do you have a sense of urgency with what God has given you? Do you take what God has given you with the weight that that comes with? Or you're just procrastinating? I'll do it next year. I'll start next week. I'll tie next month. I'll start. No, 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 no. There's a sense of hurt. God, you gave me this. I I, 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 got to get this to work. I got to make this work. I got to make this happen. I got to, there are people to get saved. We got to reach out. We got to plant churches. There are things I got to do. I'm not going to stay with this in my pocket. I'm going to give it to the kingdom. A sense of urgency. The servant went at once and put the money to work. He didn't know when the master was coming back. He didn't know when he was coming. He said, it could be any day. I want to be ready. I want that when he comes back, he's catching me, making business. I want it to be that when he comes back, I'm working and I'm doing and I'm showing him I'm making this happen. Let me ask you a question. Do we have a false sense that what we have a long time before we need to worry about our master. Let me explain what I'm saying. Do we operate the mentality that says, I got my time. I can take my time. He ain't coming. I remember when I was five years old, everybody's preaching, Jesus is coming. I'm 47. He ain't come yet. I'm good. He could wait another 10, 15 more years so I get it right. Is that the mentality we're working with? Is that the spirit that we're operating with? I know God is asking me to be faithful in my giving, but God knows my heart. God knows my heart. I'm going to give my presence. I'm in church. Hey, my life is a tithe. Devil is a liar. Some people live life with a false sense that we have a long time before we get our act right. And God calls those people, you evil and wicked servant. Or are you the type of person that makes the most of every day and every opportunity? But for this, for this church, you have to ask yourself this question. Do I have an ethic of work? That's the problem with many people. Many people are horrible at work ethics. The principle here is that not only do we work for the kingdom regarding our labor, but that even 
but that even our money labors for the kingdom too. Because there's an element of I'm serving in the kingdom, but there's an element of my resources are serving in the kingdom as well. But some of us justify us not giving God financially because we say, well, I give time. Well, I'm serving. I'm carrying a speaker. No, God is telling you everything you have is mine. Everything. So why are you giving me based on whatever you feel you want to give me when I'm telling you it's all mine? If we have the right attitude of being a steward, we will lose the mentality of being an owner. Nobody here owns anything. I tell you, church, we're all stewards. So we have to shift our mindset from thinking this is mine to thinking this is his. And I'm just a conduit of God's grace. Do you have a sense of urgency? Here's another question. Do you have the objective of growth with what God has given you? Growth. One guy had five. He said, no, if God gave it to me, it got to grow. If God gave it to me, I have to make it multiply. If God gave it to me, I have to grow it. Because every living thing grows. Every living thing has to grow. The guy who had two said, hey, I'm going to go work this. I don't know when he's coming, but I know that he, when he comes, I got to make this happen. I got to make this work. And even though they had different, each servant had different amounts but they both worked to their level of giving. Listen to me. The Bible talks about people that are of 30%, of 60%, and 100%. Why does God do that? Because God knows that not everybody's the same. So there are people that are going to give 30%. And that's all they could do, 30%. And then there are people that they're 60%. And that's all they're going to do, 60 And then there are those that they're 100%. Now, the 60% doesn't got it easier than the one that has 100. Because if you're a 30, God expects you to give 100% of your 30. If you're a 60, God is not saying give me 60%. He's saying give me 100 of your 60. And if you're a 100, he's saying give me 100. So, so just because we're different, the expectation is the same. The expectation of being faithful to God is the same. So whatever, whether you have 30, how am I growing my 30? If you're 60, how am I growing my 60? If you're 100, how am I growing my 100? Do you have the objective of growth? The five gain two more. The five gain five more. The two gain two more. Listen to me. In God's kingdom, it is normal to expect it is normal and expected that growth happens. Why? Because healthy things grow. Listen to me. Think of it this way. Are you growing in your desire to give to the kingdom of God? Or are you growing in your desire to give to yourself? Are you growing in seeing the opportunities God has provided in your environment and if so, listen to me, growth should be present in whatever it is we are doing for God. Growth should be evident in everything we do for God. 
principle number four. Stewardship. Listen to this. Stewardship managing during the master's absence is quintessential. How you manage and how you steward what God has given you in his absence speaks louder. Verse 19 says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned. And I like God that God gives us enough time to get it right. God gives us enough time to get our act right. And I don't, I don't, I, 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 I just don't get it. How some people don't get it. I don't, I don't know. He says, I'm going to come back, but hey, I'm going to take my time till you get it right. And we wait, 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 and we're back in the cycle of, of scarcity, and we're back in the cycle of problems, and we're back in the cycle of mess up, and we're back, and, and, and the problem is not the problem. The problem is, how are you changing your life? He said, I'm, I'm going to give you the time till you get it right. I'm going to give you the time. And you know what? The one that had one couldn't say, you know, you, you, you came too quick because the one that had five did double with the same amount of time. Listen to me. What are you doing with the resources God has given you? What are you doing with the money God has given you? Listen, 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 listen to me. If you're a man, you're a horrible financial manager. You know what you, you, you know what you, you, you the message you're giving? You're prideful. Oh God, I, God, Lord, heal people and heal me. If I spend all of my money in me, go to your bank. Go to your bank statement. You know, y'all get, well, now everything is electronic. But if you get a bank statement every 30 days, Bank of America State, I get it every 30 days. If I, don't, if I want to know where my heart is, all I got to do is get all the transactions I did. Right? Kobe's Restaurant, Chick-fil-A, Dunkin' Donuts, right? I did my nails. I did my hair. I did my toenails, right? I bought me mascara. I went to Sephora and I spent $150 because, you know, I got to look cute because you never know. I find a man, you know, my foundation got to match with my... Right, right, right. And I bought my cologne and I bought a new car. And so I got to get new ties and I got to clean my ties. And I got to take it to a car because I just can't take it to any car dealer, any car wash. I got to take it to a good car wash and get the little, the little air freshener and put it in the thing. Right, I got to do all that, right? Now, in the middle of all those things you did, I want you to highlight the ones that are the same. And then in the middle of all those 30 items, look, look how many times you tithed. Look how many times you gave an offering to the church. Because your money, how you give, tells you where your heart is. So if all you have is restaurants and restaurants and restaurants and restaurants, you're all about you. If you're all about your hair and your nails and you can't give a dollar, but you got your French manicure, you got your Colombian manicure, you got your Egyptian manicure. <laughs> it's all about you. It's all about you. Listen, money is a bad master, but a good servant. Money is not supposed to be your master. Money is supposed to be your servant. And you're supposed to say, today, money, we're going to do this for God. 
Bam. Today, money, we're going to honor God. Bam. Today, money, we're going to be faithful in our giving. But some of us, money has become our masters. Remembering that we, when we remember that, will help us to determine whether I'm a God, a servant of God, or I'm a servant of mammon, which is the God of money. I ask you, church, do you see yourself as a steward of all he has entrusted you with, or do you have an attitude of the owner? Because in this story, the owner is God. You can't act like God because you didn't give yourself the talent. God gave you the talent. So you can't take the role of God. You got to stay in your lane and let God be the master, and you and I, we got to be stewards. So the way we handle our money, though, tells us, whether our actions equal our desires. Because I know a lot of people that have good desires. Oh, my God, I wish I could give. It's not that I don't want to give. It's not that I don't want to get involved. I wish I could do it. And I see myself in the spirit. Forget about the spirit. Do it. Oh, my God, you don't understand. And some people, some people, some people only are going to get committed when they're involved. Some people only give when they're a part of it. Right? I ain't going to give till they make me the worship leader. When I'm in work, then I give. I ain't going to give till they make me the deacon. When I'm a deacon, then I give. I, I ain't going to give till I'm a pastor. When you make me a pastor, then I, no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. You got to be faithful when, you're, when you don't have nothing. You got to be faithful when you're not a pastor. You got to be faithful when you're not a worship leader. You got to be faithful when you're not a leader in the church. You got to be faithful. And when God comes back and says, look how faithful you were with nothing, get ready because double is coming to your life. We got it twisted. We think when I get it, then. When I have it, then. When I reach, then. No, you got to be faithful in the little. You know what causes a hole in the rock? It's not a gallon of water. It's one drop every day for 30 years. Plop. 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 30 years makes a hole in the rock. The consistency is the consistency that says whether it rains, thunderstorms, or shines, I'm going to be faithful in my pop, pop. I had a guy when we were new with Orlando, Brother Billy. Brother Billy was a homeless, got saved. Billy was a homeless, one of our first homeless. He's still Christian, serving the Lord today. Brother Billy got saved. We, we rescued him from the streets. He got a job. We got him a job. Renting an apartment. And Brother Billy got a job at the convention center in Orlando. And Brother Billy, every Friday, every Sunday, he would give his $10 tithe. Every Sunday, $10. I knew he made 100 because he gave 10 $10. He had a record, criminal record, couldn't get a good job. The only job he got was $100 a week. And you know what? Every Sunday, Brother Billy gave his $10. And you know what? There were people in the church that throughout the year, they gave $700, $800. But one will give it once every five months. The other one will give it because he felt convicted. But Billy was systematic, systemic. Every Sunday, I'm going to give my $10. My $10. Because this is a matter of the heart. 
It's the consistency of the little things. And some people only give when they get motivated. You understand and agree. No, but when, but when you understand that this is not about me motivating and pulling your buttons, but this is every Sunday, I'm going to give God. If God gave me, I'm going to give. If God honored me, I'm going to honor God. And Brother Billy never gave more than $10 a week. But when I, when I, when that year I recognized my leaders and one of my faithful givers, I did a, I did a recognition to Brother Billy. Pastor, how much did he give? $10 a week. But he was faithful. Because he understood that everything he receives came from God. Consistency is what God is after. Not sporadic obedience. The way we handle our money tells us our actions and our desires. So we need to reconcile how we, our desires with our actions. I wish I could give. All right, well, what are you doing to give? I wish, I wish, you know, you don't understand, man. It's not that I don't want to give. Okay, what are you doing? Why can't you start today? You don't understand because, you know, this is tough and, 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 no, I don't understand because I know there's a chick in the Bible that she had a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. And you know what? She gave the prophet first. And when she's doing something about giving God first, the Bible says that it did not lack. She did not lack oil or flour to the end of her days. When you're faithful to God, God can make a dollar out of 15 cents. When you're faithful to God, God can show you. That's why some of us, we don't know the miracles of God because we don't put our faith to work in God in the areas of our finances that's why you never grow and you're stuck where you're at but when you put God first and make him a priority in your life especially in the finances I promise you every day is not a day of fear it's a day of faith you're gonna make it happen and I know that if I'm faithful in my little you will be faithful in good listen to me it's not the money given as much as the attitude in which is given and, I need, and I, need to, I need to sit down here for a minute. We can't be like the Pharisees that come and say, look what I gave. Yeah. Pastor, you saw the records? <laughs> we can buy time. <laughs> Tithing is not what you give. You don't impress me when you give a big amount of tithe. Your response, if God gave you 100%, if God gave you five talents, you, it's your responsibility to be faithful with your five talents. You don't have to impress me. You're doing your level of giving. God didn't give me 5%. He gave you 5%. I'm going to be faithful with my 2%. Two, two, two you be faithful with your five. And don't expect me to applaud you because that's what you're supposed to do anyway. But there's a spirit of pride. There's a Pharisaic spirit. Look what I did. You know what Jesus called those people? You white sepulchers. You white tombstones. You look pretty on the outside, but your hearts are dirty on the inside. Listen to me. It's not the, it's the attitude. It's the attitude. I'm not giving because I, I don't want to get busted. I'm not giving because I want to get caught. I'm not, first of all, you ain't getting caught. This is not about, this is not FBI. It's the matter of the heart. Now let me tell you something about tithing. Tithing is not a tax. Your taxes, you got to pay your taxes. And if you don't pay your taxes, shoot an email to Wesley Snipes. See what happened to him. Right? He went to jail for tax evasion. Tithing is not a tax. You got to pay your taxes. Jesus said, give 
to Caesar what is to Caesar. You got to give you tax. When I tithe, I'm not seeing it as a tax. I don't got to tithe. I get to tithe. Tithing is not a tax. Here's another one. Tithing is not a tip. Oh, my church is so good. Here you go, God. Keep the change. Tithing is not a tip. I don't give because I give God and God bless me. No. Tithing is not a down payment. God, I need a miracle. Here's a tithe. Boom. God, God, I really need a break. I need a break in my finances. Mm. This is not a down payment. Tithing is not a tip. Just this past Monday, Pastor Choco was in town and my wife and I and, and Elizabeth, his wife, and I, we went out to eat. And, and we, we went to a restaurant. Um, nobody touched my money. We went to a restaurant, right? <laughs> it's $3, but it's mine. <laughs> you know, the other ones, I, the other time I throw is fake, but this is real. Don't touch that one. I was born at night, but not last night. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So we went out to eat. We went out to eat. It's a restaurant. And, 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 and Pastor Choco and I, we have, this, we have this battle every time we go out to eat. And the battle is, who's going to pay the bill? Because I always want to pay him. I want to honor him. I love him. When he comes to town, I want to pay. When I'm in Chicago, he wants to pay. So we're always fighting who's going to pay the bill. I wish I had people in the church that do that to me. but <laughs> Who's going to pay the bill? So he came. He, he came to Florida. And, and we went out to eat. And I was like, okay. We went out to get breakfast. And, and, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to pay the bill. I'm going to pay the bill. I have to pay the bill. I got to pay the bill. So I'm going to pay the bill. So, so when, 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 when we're being served, there's this girl that is serving us. I forgot her name. Uh, but she's Muslim. And she's serving us. And she's very attentive. And, and she's those type of servants. She's those type of waiters that... You know, she, she, she's looking at the cup, and if it's half empty, she comes back and fills it again. Have you been to restaurants and you're waiting for the girl, hey, can I get more water? And she's over here playing with her nails and trying to kick it to the other waiter. It's just annoying, right? <laughs> Not this girl. This girl was attentive, 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 attentive. And then we started talking in a conversation, and she said she's, you know, we thought she was Hispanic, but she's not. She's from Morocco. She's a Muslim. And, I, oh, wow, I went to Morocco a couple of years ago, and we were just talking about the experience, and she was just so nice and so beautiful and so attentive. And ta -ta -ta -ta. And when, time, when the bill came, Joe and I were fighting. Who's going to pay the bill? And I said, listen, he got, that's fake money. Don't And we were just playing the game or whatever, whatever. And then I said, listen, I'm from Florida. I got to pay the bill. I said, Joe, shut up. I got it. So they give me the bill, I put my card, and it was, when it was time to tip, I gave her more money on tip than what the actual meal cost. I get, I, you treat me good, I'm going to tip you well. That's, that's just, you know, my wife has a problem with that, but, but, but that's just the way I am. Right? <laughs> you give too much money. Why do you keep doing that? I want, I want people to remember me so the next time I come back to the restaurant, everybody's buying to serve me. That's just the way I know. So the bill... Let's say the bills was $40. I gave her 40-something dollars tip. So, 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 so when she saw, the, when she saw the, the little booklet, right, she saw the booklet, she was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, thank you. Thank you. And she was so overwhelmed. And I was like, yes, yes, I impacted this girl. Yes, even, listen, even with money, you can impact somebody's life, right? And I was like, yes, I got her. Yes, Lord, now. And we, she knew we were Christians. We talked about Jesus. And, and bam, got it. Now, I gave her those 40-something dollars because she made me feel good. I can't bring that to church 
and say, well, God, the worship was swell, and the musicians were wonderful, and the keyboard was on point. And so, God, today I'm really going to give today because, man, I felt so high today. The musical arrangement was so exuberant in my worship experience, and I had so much fun that I kind of, like, sweat a little, but not too much, and it was so cool. Not everybody hugged me today, just 2.3 people, and I got my nice little coffee. So here, I'm going to give you, no, no, we can't give God based on how we feel. We got to give God based on the reality that we know what I got is because God made it possible for me to have. And when you give like that, even when you don't feel, you're faithful. Even when you don't have enough, you're faithful. Even when everything tells you don't give, you say, money, you are not the master. You are my servant, and I'm going to use you for the glory of God. When that mentality happens, you say, God, you have entrusted me. And I am managing it for you and for your kingdom. When you have that mentality, you say, God, here is my first fruits of my labor. Because without you, none of the things I have, I would be able to have, sustain, and maintain. Friends that are here, remember I told you, take the word tithe and put your word heart. God wants your heart. You're giving your heart to everybody but God. You place your heart in the, in, a, in the hand of a man, a hand of a woman, a hand of a, in, in, the, in the hands of a career, in the hands of a boss, in the hands of who knows what. Today God is saying, if you just give me your heart, which is my 10% that I want, the 10% I want from you. If you give me your heart, I promise that your heart and my provision can take you so much further. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.